We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? Awesome. <laughs> awesome back-to-back wins. Your voice sounds great. My voice sounds pretty tired. Yeah, well, we were both at the game. We're here, though. We're here back-to-back wins, back-to-back podcasts. But you were back at Paycor Stadium. I felt like it was a college football game atmosphere last night. What did you think about the crowd and the atmosphere? Oh, that was the loudest I've ever heard them, but I wasn't at the uh, playoff game. I've heard that one was also extremely loud. It was really cool. Uh, the the whiteout and the pom-poms and everything, that did feel very college, but uh, in a good way, not not like uh amateur type way. Uh, it was very fun, very good atmosphere. Um, and honestly, credit to the Dolphins fans over there. I thought they were really nice. Uh, granted, they had to go through something that was kind of traumatic. But uh, they were very nice to me, at least. Yeah, that's one of those things, though, when a team announces, and it's not college football, they announce they're having a wideout, everyone wear black, everyone wear orange. It's always hard to pull off. And when I saw it, it's obviously a social media thing. This is what we're going to do. Everybody wear this color. You never think everyone's going to do it, or it's going to be hard for a whole entire stadium to look that way. And when I got there for the pregame and tailgating all of that, I was like, wait, Everybody understood the assignment. This is going to look wild inside the stadium. And it straight looked like Penn State college football atmosphere. And the thing about the crowd, and you you talked about the playoff game, and I think we felt that in this game, the crowd was a factor early on in that game. Yeah, yeah they got, uh, what, it was like a, two timeouts on the same drive at, when they were in the when they were trying to score in the end zone. That was, uh, I was like, yeah, this crowd's really got them razzled a little bit. Let's go to the defense because we normally start these podcasts with the offense, but you know what? This defense so far is legit. Yes, a lot of people are going to point to backup quarterback, backup quarterback, but you face two early in the game. And Teddy Bridgewater could probably be a starting quarterback on another team. I mean, he looked okay out there in the second half and to finish the second quarter. What do you think about this defense right now? Because I'm jumping to top five, and maybe that's a hot hot take to start this Friday victory morning, but they're legit to me right now. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get narratively. They're not going to get enough credit because Tua got hurt, but they're playing really well with Tua in the game, had a pick, had a really did a good job, I thought. Tyreek Hill got his, you know, like that just happened. The deep ball really <laughs> blew that one up, but that just happens. Waddle didn't, and from what I remember. I, I don't have the stats. I think he caught a couple passes, but um, just Googling that as I go. The run defense was good. I know this isn't a great running team, but it was something I was worried about uh, without DJ Reader. So props to, I think it was just Josh Dupo stepping up. Uh, I'm gonna excited to go watch that one back. Waddle, 39 yards, two catches. So, yeah, they did a good job on Waddle. Let Hill get his. I don't remember Kasicki doing much. You know, caught some balls was Trent Sherfield. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> not a guy I prepared for, but yeah, I was really impressed with them and they're starting to get the turnovers. So that's a key element they're getting those tips. Uh, they're getting, they're picking the ball off on the underthrows. Uh, Eli almost had one. I, I haven't watched a replay 
So I don't know if maybe he, it was closer than I thought. I thought he was out, but I've seen some Twitter people posting screenshots of him in. And I'm like, ah. but uh, I don't know. I love the defense. Um, they are carrying the team a little bit right now, but that's great because I still have faith that this offense will eventually gel and come together. There was a stat, uh, Ben Baby, and paraphrasing it a little bit here, and he said when Eli Apple was the lone defender around Tyreek Hill, he only had, I want to say, one catch seven yards. And I think that's impressive because, you know, a lot of talk this week, oh, I, I, from Tyreek, I owe him something. And then we hear Jesse Bates talking, oh, you know, did he not get his Super Bowl tickets? And I kind of like that from the defense because one of the things we think about in 2021 was the swagger with this team and they have the confidence. They're not really talkers and say a whole lot. I mean, Eli did a little bit on social media last year, not much this year. And I kind of like that they just have each other's backs out there. And let's talk Von Bell. Because I said before the season, when you talk about extensions and some of these guys, some of the free agents they've signed over the last couple of years, it's, it needs to be a conversation that that extension probably needs to happen with Bell. What do you think? I agree. Um, I Both the safeties were really good. But Bell, obviously, he had the turnover, so he was very, very good. Uh, Bell might have been the best player on the field. <laughs> so uh, getting those picks is huge. Um, I know one's underthrown, whatever, but you have to catch it and you have to make a catch over Tyreek Hill. So that's tough. And then the other one it's uh Zach in the uh, locker room after the last game said tips and overthrows got to have those. And <laughs> that's what we saw. Logan Wilson tip goes back and Von Bell's there to pick it off. Got to get it, finish that game off. Um, just overall, he played tremendous. Uh, they haven't gone back and watched, but just, you could feel that. And then Jesse Bates was making all the time. It was like they, Swiss rolls almost where Von Bell's getting all the coverage stuff, the picks, the, the pass breakups. And then Jesse Bates is making all these tackles, <laughs> stopping the run, being the last defender to bring down Mostert type stuff. So overall they were the best parts of the defense. And I think we've talked about that before that the Bengals safety room is maybe the best in the league, maybe second to the bills. Who knows they're injured though. So healthy. They're the best um, without trying to get into an argument. Um, yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I thought they really led the charge. And uh, the only other guy I would give any credit, not any credit, so the only other guy I want to give some credit to is Trey Hendrickson. Watching back, he got a lot of pressure on Teron Armstead. And I was surprised by that because Armstead just shut out Von Miller. Uh, I didn't count any pressures other than a twist. That wasn't really his fault. So I, I did say in my article, when I was previewing that matchup. I was like, well, Trey, can, he can beat anybody. He got Slater for a clean sack and he's, uh, you know, he got some pressure, no sacks, but he was able to drive Armstead back, got into his bull rush. It was really nice. But he asked about the safeties and I just think I think they're incredible. Yeah, I think the thing with Trey Hendrickson, we see it a lot in the games. Not only is he talented, but the guy gets held pretty much every play. And he still makes it happen. They're never going to call it like ever. It's but every he, every elite edge rusher really. True gets held like that. Um, and one of the things that doesn't help Trey and a lot of these guys is they love that rip move to disengage where you swing your arm up to get that arm off of you. And the officials literally in the rule book, it is basically as long as the guy's moving his feet, I know it looks terrible with like the arm almost around the neck, but as long as he's not behind him or something, as long as he's moving his feet and staying with him, they're not going to call it. 
and that kind of sucks, uh, especially because I feel like people don't talk about it enough that it's in the rule book. It's not just like an unofficial type rule. But yeah, when you have that rip move to disengage, which almost all these guys do because it's bait, uh, you, you end up in situations where it looks like you get held. You probably might get held a little bit more than normal. Um, not great, but. I want to stay with some of the playmakers, and we talked about free agents before. Uh, 2020 linebacker room, the draft class, when you think about Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither stepping in, what he's been able to do over the last couple weeks, what do you think about that duo right now in the linebacker room? They're both good. I mean, Logan Wilson's great. Uh, slam dunk of a third-round pick. And then when you add in Jermaine Pratt in 2019, I mean, that's one of the biggest turnarounds. That's what everybody hopes the offensive line could do, you know, <laughs> make three stud picks in a row. And then it's like, yeah, we're good. They, I mean, they've got a linebacker room that I feel confident, even if uh, one of those guys, obviously it did happen, but if Pratt or Wilson get hurt, I, like, well, it seems like Keen Davis Gaither can step right in. And he seemed like he had a role uh, yesterday that wasn't just uh, – Wait, I'm sorry. I was live. Pratt played, right? Yes. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure he played, but she was asking about Akeem Davis Gaither. I know. I know. I know. ADG played too. Yes, he played too, but but Akeem Davis Gaither was still, you know, a factor out there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, yeah, they they used him in interesting ways. Blitzed him. Um, watching that, uh, but <laughs> I didn't see Pratt too much, so I wasn't 100 percent sure. But he was injured, so when you're able to rotate your linebacker, that's cool. And um, yeah, I don't know. They turned the linebacker room, which was almost constantly a negative other than uh, perfect and I guess earlier Maluka, constantly like a negative post that into one of the best units on the team. I and mean, overall, we talked about the safeties They They really built the spine of the defense. It feels like you've got reader as your nose tackle. Um, and then you got these linebackers who are great down the middle of the defense. Then you got two of the best safeties in the league. So they went right down the middle. They said everything out there there. And that's not to say these guys aren't good. Hendrickson and Ouzier, but you know, we can play guys that maybe other guys don't want, like, like an Eli Apple type person, because we have this really confidence in the middle of the defense to care, to uplift everything else. The Bengals made the move with DJ reader. He's out for at least three more games because fourth would have been last night. You mentioned, you know, being without them with this defense, what that's going to look like when it comes to stopping the run overall. I know the biggest thing when you see this record of two and two, and we've talked about the defense pretty much carrying them. They were what they were in the playoff run. You look back to last season, what we saw in training camp of 2021, what we saw in training camp of 2022, you know, they have a lot of playmakers out there do you feel like overall this is it because of the competition they have played? Cause I hate that excuse when it's backup quarterbacks, look who they've played. Is this defense legit? I feel like maybe there's not that Micah Parsons or TJ Watt. There's a whole lot of playmakers on this team. And even one that we haven't mentioned yet really in Sam Hubbard, who's made a lot of plays this season too. Oh my God. Sam Hubbard put that right tackle onto his back on the play for that. with <laughs> Was it a sack or not? I can't remember, but he drove the right tackle, lifted him up and put him on his back. I was like, that's incredible. That's incredible due to a, a professional athlete. Um, don't care if the right tackle was a weak spot of the offensive line, whatever. He wasn't a backup, I don't think. So um, he played not that terrible against the, against the Bills. So being able to do that was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got so many guys. Like To me... I know on paper, 
the people are always going to point at Eli Apple as a weak point, but to me, there's no real weak point, especially with Reader healthy. Um, they get a big test next week, though. I mean, the Ravens, and that's a really good offense. That's pretty much almost like uh, in the NBA, where these offenses just go around like LeBron James or uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, the Ravens' offense is literally just Lamar. <laughs> you know, I think he has like something like. 70% of the team's rushing yards and then also obviously all the passing stuff. So he's, he's uh, you got to stop Lamar. They did it last year. Um, one, but only one game. So I don't know. Got to do it again. Just keep showing up and showing out. You can't, you can't decide who is the opponent. Um, and also this week, I think was a really good performance for them because you're not facing, you know, I know Teddy's the backup, but he is a, a low-level starting quarterback. I, I don't think that's – and they have a good scheme. So I don't think you can discredit them too much. It's not like this was somebody uh, – it wasn't Flacco back there. You know, it was a it was some good quarterback play, and they were able to hold their own. They were able to do better than that. So I, I'm starting to agree with you that this defense might be top five, and especially with Reader healthy. Um Without him, who knows? Maybe we'll mostly top 10 for a few weeks. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about all that? Because, to me, this game was the was the test. This was the test. This was a good offense. And even without Tua, even with Tua, they were doing well. And without Tua, it seemed like great. That was going to be my point. I want to get to the whole Tua situation later on in the podcast. But just overall, Tua was out there in the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter. And – I felt like just even the red zone, this defense overall, yeah, they gave up a couple of big plays yesterday with Tua and Teddy in, but at the same time, I felt like they did okay with Tua when I was watching them against this team. I mean, yeah, they do have explosive playmakers at the wide receiver room, but overall, I felt like, okay, as long as the Bengals are going down and putting seven up and not settling for field goals, they can settle for field goals with Miami the rest of the night. And I felt like that's where it was really going in the first half. You know, I did feel like they stopped getting a little aggressive on offense in the second and third quarter. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, this defense, this defense might be legit. I know Cheetah had an accidental almost chokehold. And uh, we talked a little bit about Eli Apple versus Tyreek. But I know watching the tape, you're going to get to watch it a little more in depth. But what did you think about the cornerback room overall? I thought it was good. Yeah, Tyreek's going to get his. And if you just don't allow the touchdown, you'll have one big play. That's fine. Uh, I And I guess the flag was also a big play. He did. He he got a lot. So, And I think that's the first time, because um, neither of the Chiefs games he did that much. I think maybe the Bengals, I, I have to go back and watch, um, but the Bengals defense might have played it differently because against the Chiefs, they really like to have a double basically on him the entire time. And then they would jam Kelsey and then just play man on him. So that was interesting. Um, what I was more impressed was they let Tyreek do his, but nobody else really did anything. I mean, Waddle didn't do anything. Gasicki didn't do anything. The run game didn't do anything. So it, it's like you allow the one guy to keep going off, but he's not scoring touchdowns. And then the defense as a whole is really good. And that's with and without Tua. But um, yeah, I, I was really impressed with the defense. They got a big test next week and then, couple more games. I mean, this is a good chance to get back on track. If they can win next week, I mean, they are probably in the driver's seat for even division. Top five defense. I'm saying it right now. We, we've seen one. Even, even without reader? 
I say right now? You hear me? All right. Heard these All right. Words right they're now. Play, they're, play, right now. they're, and they're yes, playing like a top five defense. That will be a test next week with Lamar Jackson when you are without DJ Reader overall, too. So, yes, it's not going to be easy for the AFC North when you think, think of that top spot, but it's going to be a great primetime game. A lot of primetime coming up for this team, the back half of the stretch of the schedule. But we'll get to the offense and more on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We talk defense. We needed to change it up because I feel like we always start with offense. No offense to them. They did enough work last night to get it done. But the defense is is really showing up in the last four games. Let's talk about number nine, Joe Burrow. Before... When we were previewing the podcast, you know, I'd mentioned I want to see a little of 2021 Joe Burrow. And, and we saw a little bit of it in the Jets game. Last night, no offense. They got everything done that they needed to get done. But there were times that Joe B would have made those throws. And it just felt like the communication connection is not there yet. Do we still think it's just kind of a little bit of a slow start to the season? Because we did see that to begin the 2021 season, but that was because they were kind of, you know, weaning him back in after the knee injury. And then they kind of let him loose and they were more aggressive. What's going on with Joe? It's hard to tell. Um, The only really, really bad miss was Jamar Chase down the right side. And it was really underthrown. That, I mean... Underthrowing a go ball is, uh, well, could get you a, a DPI sometimes, but also uh, that's where you can get into picks and type type of situation. So um, I thought Burrow was fine. I, I want to see him just have a great, great game. I did think he missed live on that slot fade to Chris Evans. And then I went back and watched and I was like, did Evans misplay this a little bit? Because it looks like he's over one shoulder over the other. And then it just kind of goes through his hands. Um, I don't know. I, I want to see that one on the all 22 angle just to make sure. But overall, I thought he was good enough to win. Um, he's not taking sacks. That's huge. Not killing drives, not turning the ball over. He's doing a great job of uh, keeping the offense afloat. But I want to see the offense also explode, you know, and uh, that's uh, that's what we're missing right now. Yeah. One of the things from last night w- with Joe Burrow that I think people who don't watch this team on a regular basis was like, oh, bad O-line. Joe doesn't look like Joe. And you mentioned it. He did enough to win. I mean, we'll, we'll see better Joe Burrow. Probably wasn't, you know, his best game. Maybe in, in this team really couldn't get the run game going. And, and I want to kind of get to that right now because early on it looked like, okay, this is going to be a Joe Mixon game. They can do it. They can run the ball. They're throwing to Joe, which I love to see. But they can't get anything going with that and that terrifies me a little bit because when you're a little one-dimensional even though you have all these weapons on offense and you can't get it going by a balanced offense when's that going to start to click so i don't know (laughs) i still think that Mixon might be dealing with that ankle because i thought he looked pretty good week one and he hasn't looked as good the past couple of weeks. Great job to drive into the end zone on that third and inches to get in, you know, offensive line. Credit to them too for pushing him, but he has to stay upright. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it feels like on a lot of plays, there's just like one really bad missed block. And then but then Mixon's not making these guys miss and making that guy right. You know, that that's what made him so good before last year, even uh was 
a guy would miss, but he'd make him miss, or he'd uh, just be able to give a stiff arm and keep moving. Right now, it's not there. So I feel like it's the chance for this to get better quickly is just his ankle heals up on a long week. So that's the real uh, hope. Maybe that's cope. <laughs> but uh, I think the offensive line is going to eventually gel better. We keep talking about it. It's just, it's getting better. It's just still not there. And then as players, you need them to also step up. I, I know on that toss play, which how do you, the optics of running another fourth and inches toss, even if it's not the same play is just, I don't know, but Collins missed, uh, missed that block. And that made Mixon have to try to make that guy miss. And then by the time he's trying to get upfield, there's two more guys. So I don't know. I don't know when the run game gets going. I think Mixon's a really good back. I still, I'm not off of that. I just think he might be injured. There could be something going on. Um, he's left three games with an ankle injury. I'm not trying to just speculate. Uh, he didn't leave last night, so that's good. But um, yeah, I the, the Dolphins as well, uh, they actually played the run. I was kind of surprised with their defense in general because it seemed like live they were playing a lot of one high and just really putting that guy over to Jamar Chase. It was kind of the old Belichick thing. Uh, basically two guys on Chase, and then you put your best corner on Higgins, and uh, T feasted. But this is, but in the run game, that matters because there's just safety back. So they brought the other safety down into the box to play the run. And I thought that was interesting for a strategy against the Bengals. I want to stay with the offensive weapons right now in the wide receiver room. One of my favorite things about Jamar Chase is his interviews because he's honest. And sometimes when he says something, he doesn't mean it like in a mean way, but sometimes he does just to get on Joe Burrow. But he was asked about one of the throws. It was a, the late throw. And someone said, oh, were you, would you have been in the end zone for that one? Was that going to be a touchdown? He goes, yeah, Joe underthrew me. Joe underthrew me. He's like, he's going to be mad when he sees this. But he underthrew me, and I just love that because of their relationship. But you think of Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase isn't having a game, that means T. Higgins is going to be open or Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins is a wide receiver number one on a lot of teams, and he looked like it last night. Not that I don't even want to do the Jamar T. comparison. I think it's silly because you have two legit wide receivers, and we are very lucky to have that on this offense. But <laughs> T. Higgins shows up last night, seven receptions, 124 yards, one touchdown. That touchdown did count last night. They weren't going to take that away from him. <laughs> Let's talk about this wide receiver room and just T overall in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, like I talked about, they they left T alone a lot, just with Xavier Howard, just a lot of faith in their corner. And T delivered. I mean, he made a miss on that quick throw, made a miss and gained an extra 10 yards. Uh, obviously, the big touchdown where he beats him. Um, it, it was great uh this is don't want to do the the jamar t comparison but i think i've seen online a lot of the waddle t comparison about who's the best wide receiver two in the league uh this battle this one went to t so i he was amazing last night and i guess he was a little bit injured he something about a rolled ankle i saw after the game so i was like he, he blew up on a on a rolled ankle that's awesome so he looked really good against one of the best corners in the league and that's that's why you get two studs is because when they give jamar chase the elite wide receiver treatment that means t doesn't get the elite wide receiver treatment and he can and he can go off like he did yesterday and yeah i phew. What do, you, what do you think about the T-Waddle one? Because I, I don't know. I think I might go T-Best wide receiver two in the league. 
it might sound Homer on my end, but T Higgins is a legit receiver. I think if you're anybody who drafted in the first round of 2020, not named the Cincinnati Bengals, cause obviously they went Joe Burrow with the first pick you're thinking, how in the world did we miss this guy? And I remember draft night. I'm not sure. Obviously you remember draft night. It was the night they dropped the Joe Burrow, but the, I mean, honestly, if you're the, if you're the Green Bay Packers right now, but I think, you know, I remember, so they dropped Joe and a lot of people are like wide receiver. Hmm. They're going wide receiver. Uh, I thought they were going. Everybody everybody wanted uh, that Josh Jones guy. And then he fell like another two rounds. But like, you just even credit to the front office on that one because what he's been able to do in year one, if Joe Burrow doesn't get injured, I think we continue to see that chemistry get built because a lot of things that I remember from Joe and T's first year together was the Tennessee Titans game when this the offense really started to get rolling. I want to say late October, early, early November before the injury. And you're like, this guy's going to be a star. Can you imagine if they get Jamar Chase on the other side of him? And we've been able to see that, you know, Jamar Chase doesn't have the numbers right now because the defenses are focusing on Jamar Chase and that's fine. Focus on him because you're going to have another weapon in T Higgins who would be a legit wide receiver number one on a lot of teams. And I don't feel like that's a hot take, but you have to agree with me on this because you see it on social media. People are like, ah, top 20 receiver. I don't know if he's a, he's a number one. T Higgins is a number one wide receiver on another team. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're the Packers and you drafted a quarterback that still hasn't played instead of him, it's like looking back, like they probably win at least a Super Bowl with him and Adams instead of Jordan Love. I mean, ugh. and then the Chiefs right now would be in such a better place if they drafted him. And who knows? Maybe they win against the Bucks if they had T and Tyreek. I mean, this guy is bona fide wide receiver one. I mean, honestly, you could not top 20, I think top 15. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just going, I'm not listing anybody out, but maybe you could even get him in top 12. I mean, to me, this guy's really, really good. I think he's better than a lot of wide receiver ones on teams. So uh, it's an awesome problem to have where you're, uh, oh, oh no, they're doubling one guy. So we can just let the other guy go off for 120 yards every game, um, even against the best corner. That's the thing is that the reason the strategy worked for the Patriots is that, you know, that guy can't beat the Stefan Gilmore, the whoever their best corner was at the time the tie laws. So when you got a guy that can beat that guy, now Xavier Howard is probably not Stefan Gilmore tie law, but still he's a very, very good corner. And uh, you could beat that guy consistently. The strategy's gone because <laughs> now you're like, okay, well we either got to let them run the ball, which they weren't going to let the Bengals do, especially when I took the lead. Um, or we have to just, I don't know. We, we, we allow that matchup to keep going on and it wasn't going in the Dolphins favor. And I think if the Ravens try it, Next week is probably not going to go in their favor either. Yeah, I mean, there's if you look at the Ravens' defense in the last couple of games, it, it, Joe Burrow could have his way again. I mean, look, it's going to be a tough battle. It's obviously prime time on the road, but I'm, I'm really pumped for that matchup because Cincinnati gets a mini bye week, and, and we talked about Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, um, kind of battling like light injuries, and, and hopefully that extra rest will help them. And T went back in the game, so he never never left the game. But obviously at this point in the season, you know, a lot of NFL players early on in the season battling a few injuries here and there, but uh, he's definitely a trooper. I want to go to the tight end room because there were two things that I really liked last night. The Hayden Hurst, the first catch and run when he just demolished those defenders. That was my favorite Hayden. Hurst. I know we scored later in the game, but that was my favorite Hayden Hurst moment in Cincinnati. 
Oh my god! And he kept—he was doing it the past three weeks. Like he would have one play where he just carried guys like ten yards downfield. But this time, <laughs> oh my goodness, he ran through like five guys on that play. It—it it was what a start to the game with like a, a four-yard little st- stick route to Hurst, and he turns up field and he's just mauling defenders as he makes his way past the first down, past another five yards. That, that play was so cool. And uh, shout out Mitch Wilcox made a guy miss. And drove, ran like another fifteen yards. That was that was one of the biggest moments of the game. It was like eighty four. I thought that <laughs> I was trying to like rack my brain. Wait, is that Aussie? Aussie? Is that Wilcox? Uh, yeah, Wilcox going uh, went crazy on that play. And then yeah, the the final play more good design to me than it is Hurst doing anything incredible. Which to say about Zach Taylor, a little bit a uh, little bit. The, <laughs> hitting this right now i don't think everybody loves his designs but that was a good design to get him sneaking back across the formation underneath just the put away touchdown um tight ends they they were they were really good i know the stat sheet says like three for 27 and one for hers but that first play was what a tone setter of a play just to just to carry and maul through that dolphins defense you mentioned Asiasi. The officials picked up that flag. And look, it was probably a little close to call, and, and I kind of get why they picked it up. But, I mean, that was going to be a huge play, too, in the game when they called that. And then with Mitchell Wilcox, I was going to bring him up because my, that was one of my favorite plays. Because when you watch him, when he gets it, he looks around at everyone and is like, I just caught the football. <laughs> and he like looks right, looks left, looks around to see if anybody's coming after him and doesn't like look straight forward. And it was probably one of my favorite Mitchell Wilcox moments because a lot of people, they still want Hayden Hurst to get these reps. And I still believe Hayden is battling that hamstring injury. And again, when you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, you have uh, Jamar Chase. Hayden will get his too. And Tyler Boyd, what about, what about that throw last night? Oh my goodness. Yeah, the offense was completely like sputtered out and Tyler Boyd gets the ball and fires one downfield to Jamar Chase. I mean, very cool. It, it is a it, tough battle here. Who is your emergency quarterback, Tyler Boyd or Joe Mixon? Well, this is hard because Tyler Boyd is an OG and <laughs> Joe Mixon had the Super Bowl TD. And we would be talking and, about the Super Bowl TD if they won. So Yeah, and that throw last week where he like spun around and had to get back to Burrow. I mean, that was pretty good too. When I saw Joe throw it to Tyler Boyd, I was like, what are you doing? This is a terrible call. Like, I was like, this is not going in. Oh, anytime I see a throw that goes backwards to start, my mind immediately goes trick play. So I was like, all right, what's going on here? Well, with some of the throws last night, because I felt like they weren't aggressive at times. And I was like, oh man, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and then I was like, I loved it. Great play. And he throws for the first down to Jamar. And it was just like, okay, I love that. And I love when they do that with this offense because you can have those trick plays with all these playmakers. And being able to see that more because, again, there were, there were times last night where there was glimpses of, hey, look, this is that exciting offense that we've seen before. And, and we're going to see more of that. Um, they scored 27. I know. Isn't that wild? That and But they left points out there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should have been in the 30s. I think offense. this I think this just shows like what we feel this offense should be like because they're they're pretty good right now. They're not terrible. It's just like a misthrow here or there, like ah, Joe makes that last year. Joe, you know, it's like we're scoring 35. Um, and this is a good defense. They just held the bills to like 17. Like this isn't this isn't like a, a bad defense that they're scoring 27 on, like the Jets. So I was it's hard because I, I know live I wasn't impressed with the offense, but like looking back, I'm like, I mean, yeah, they were they were pretty good, especially no run game. Passing offense still was able to put up points. 
defense obviously gave him good fields and whatnot, but putting up 27 points, putting up 27 points on a good defense. We're spoiled. That's just <laughs> what it is. We're spoiled. Our expectations are very high right now, and that's fine. They're two and two. They, they, you could make the case they should be three and one. A lot of people four. And uh, one of my favorite parts of the post game, we're going to wrap this segment up before we go to the offensive line, is Joe Burrow in the post game. And maybe I'm a nerd, or I've never heard him do this publicly, but in the locker room, he, he does it with his teammates. He did the Hootie chant. Did you watch that post? I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. But Joe, was, Joe so cool. was all in. He was like, all right, hyped. And I think that was one of my favorite things about last night. Towards the end, you could look down at the sideline, the video board. Joe had a huge smile on his face. And he just was like, yes, let's go, let's go. And I think that's something we haven't seen, you know, in the first two weeks of the season, obviously not a whole lot to smile <laughs> about the offense. But I think they're finally getting in the groove. And this mini buy couldn't happen at a better time before they take on the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I think it helps. He's not getting hit as much. So it's True. Easier, True. easier to be happy when you're throwing the ball and staying upright and making touchdowns than it is when you get sacked seven or six times. By the end of that, you're just like, God almighty. Oh. Like, <laughs> when you're not kissing the ground 100%. We're going to get to the <laughs> offensive line and more next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. All smiles and laughs when you get back-to-back wins. You get two opportunities in 10 days, and the Cincinnati Bengals were able to capitalize on it. Capitalize it. I think last night was a big confidence booster. You beat Miami, one of the top teams in the AFC. Yes, I know two left the game early, but now I want to focus on the offensive line because we talked a little bit about Joe Burrow being happy on the sidelines, and one of the things that you, you could see from Joe is he's hugging his offensive lineman. He's you know, I can't read lips, but it seemed like he was saying you're um, a certain word awesome. And he said after the game in the post game, they were awesome. They were great. And our expectations are high. Offensive line, it's like at a medium level because you just want Joe to be protected. But when he only gets one sack in a game, that's a huge development for this offensive line right now. And again, I know who you're facing. It's not Micah Parsons on the other side. It's not TJ Watt. But Dolphins still have playmakers. And uh, Dolphins, they love to bring that pressure. And it's not just the offensive line got to do that. Joe Burrow was sharp, got the ball out quick against that pressure. And also, shout out to the tight ends and running backs. I, I remember a big block from Joe Mixon, I believe, off of play action on a, on a guy that opened up something downfield. So credit to offensive line, everybody that had a block, because they did a really good job. And this is a this is a team, they don't have a lot of sacks, but I feel like they get pressure. And Melvin Ingram's a good player. Emmanuel uh, Ogba's a good player. These are guys that could get 10 sacks. Like, they're not Pro Bowl, but just below that type of level. So they got two of those guys. Wilkins did, had, did a great job last week, and he didn't do that much this week. Uh, so, yeah, credit to the offensive line, because I think, I think the pass protection is coming together. The run game, not there, but the pass protection, which is what's the most important part, that's coming together. That was one of the like wild things about watching last night. Obviously, Joe Burrow has played. It'll be almost two seasons altogether if you're counting the injury year of the games that he was able to play in his rookie year. And him having time was just wild to see. And you're like, whoa, whoa, Joe has time to throw the ball. Oh, he's not going to get sacked right now. And then there were times, and I know we've talked about it before, and the one thing that we – a lot of things that we love about Joe Burrow is he makes something out of nothing sometimes. Mm-hmm. We saw that against the Jets, and then last night he did the same thing where he'd run and make it happen. He, he makes me nervous. 
when he runs out of the pocket because we well, took one big hit too. Yeah, we're like, he's fragile. Be nice to him. Don't touch him. You know, everyone extra protective over your quarterback. <laughs> but when he takes that run and he's aggressive, and it was crazy because it was the one before they went forward on fourth down, and I didn't like the fourth down play call. But Joe looked over at the defenders and he started talking. He was like, <laughs> just like, oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna do that. And and I and I love that about him. But we saw more of of that Joe bro who was in the AFC championship game runs for the first down. And he didn't quite get the first time, but he was super close a couple of times last night and he just ran it and, and made it happen when he didn't see something down the field and he threw the ball away once. Yeah. All that. And um, he made somebody miss on a sack opportunity. I remember that play. I think that was when we were both talking about where he takes a big hit. He makes a guy miss in the backfield and starts running up field to try to get that first down and takes a big hit. Doesn't get the first down, but he made a guy miss in the backfield and gave him an opportunity where they could have called a better play on fourth down to pick that up and keep the drive alive. But I, w- I want to see him put the ball in Joe's hand for that fourth down at this point, because the run game's just not there. It's like I get, and they're not even running downhill either. So it's like, you're not running downhill. You're trying to go East West and type thing. It's like, just put the ball in Burrow's hand. I feel like I've got, he's got the best shot of picking this up at this point. They went deep a couple of times last night. And one of the things that I think about Jamar Chase's early career and Joe Burrow is the Minnesota Vikings game where they weren't afraid to do that. Obviously, Jamar Chase was brand new to the NFL. He was a rookie. And we heard it all preseason. Oh, Jamar can't catch a ball. He always drops the ball. Comes out there. He scores the touchdown, does the gritty, and is like, yeah, I'm the real deal. And that play is always on a highlight when I think of him going and throwing deep. It was against the Steelers on the road um, last year. And we saw that a couple of times last night. And I hope they get back to that because when you throw it downfield, good things happen. Yeah. And um, it, it helps everything when you can hit those shots and they were there the whole night. Uh, the way Miami wanted to play defense was not the uh, Tampa two type stuff that was giving them issues early in the year. That's two games in a row where teams haven't really gone to that, which is interesting. Uh, but they, they were given those shots, especially to T, but even to Jamar a little bit. And he, he made the one uh, late in the game. Uh, but yeah, that, that underthrow, man, this team would have scored like 35 if that was just on target because he cooked his guy. He's going downfield. And it's just like, oh, the ball is just not where it needs to be. So I think it gets there. I mean, this is these are two guys that I take the big sample of what they did last year, what they did at LSU. They'll get it together. They'll make this work. And it's more limited opportunities now because people know that Jamar Chase is that guy but they'll get there and they'll start hitting those limited opportunities. They'll start scoring those touchdowns. It's just just a waiting game. And Hey, I think we could see it next week though, against Baltimore. I think they're going to trust their corners to play against chase. Um, And if that's the case, I think we'll see some shots downfield and uh, it'll only matter a time before Burrow starts getting connected with chase, but shout out to Burrow on the Higgins throw. Cause that was a really good one uh, leading him downfield, letting him score that touchdown. Well, one of the things that we've seen in back-to-back weeks, and they were able to get wins, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Obviously, this team has a legit defense, is how aggressive they've been going down the field the first play of the game, first drive of the game, and putting seven on the board, not settling for three. And overall, as far as the play calling, we talked a little bit about it, that fourth down call. I didn't really like it. It didn't work against the Jets, and they kind of did it again this week. What did you think overall, what what the play calling has looked like over the last couple weeks in general? Better, better than the first two weeks for sure. Um, and I know they're not that this is a good defense and they're, I know stylist uh, schematically, this is a defense that they were able to beat last year type of things, blitzing a lot of single high. 
but you still have to be able to do it. And when the defense is good at what they do, you know, you got to, got to be able to play that. So uh, <clears throat> I think the play calling, everything's been much better. I know the toss plays in back-to-back weeks, different type of plays. One's a, uh, a orbit rocket toss thing. And the other one's normal toss. I think it was a crack toss, uh, but um, that I, I feel you just scrap it at this point. You've tried, you've tried tossing a fourth and inches twice, fourth and one twice. You might just want to scrap that one. Uh, other than that, though, like we talked about the creative plays. Back-to-back weeks, they get a trick play that works. The one Jamar loses in the lights, and this one worked. Tyler Boyd just hits chase downfield. And uh, I talked about that play where they had uh, her sneak across the line on the goal line situation for the touchdown. That was great design. So they're two and two on the season right now. Baltimore Ravens right around the corner. Joe Burrow told everyone around 10 days ago, relax. You know, we're going to be fine. Just start the season right now. How do you feel about this team right now on a confidence level? Uh, I moved a lot because they beat a good team and uh, they did it fairly convincingly. Uh, Multiple scores. I know it was tight through the fourth for most of the game, but to me, they definitely look like a playoff team. That's, I think, what I'm trying to say is they definitely look like a playoff team. Um, and you know, when they get the playoffs, they can make things happen. So, no, I agree with that right now. You're two and two and you started out the season the way you did. A lot of people talked about the no preseason reps. We had Duke Manyweather on after (laughs) week one and he pretty much said, you know, around four to five, six weeks, this offensive line could start to gel. These are new pieces working together. And I think we're, you know, starting to see that going into week five, which is crazy to believe that week five is right around the corner with the Baltimore Ravens. And you look at the outlook of that schedule, the AFC overall, we watched the Bills against the Dolphins last week. Yes, I know Tool was out of the game for the second half and most of the second quarter, but I still feel like this team can compete with the AFC. They are going to get some tests, and we'll be able to see that in a few short days, what that's going to look like. But the crazy thing about it, as you mentioned, they're in the driver's seat if they manage to get a dub against the Baltimore Ravens next week on the road. Yeah, uh, I it really feels like a three-and-one type team right now, not two-and-two, two because they really should have won week one with a long snapper. But they – they're playing some good football and if they can beat the Ravens, they're in the driver's seat for the division. And look, they're, I just think if this team makes the playoffs and they get their shot, that that shot's going to go a long way because they had their defensive coordinator showed last year that he's adaptable and willing to create great game plans for any opponent. Um, And when it's Joe Burrow and this offense and when they're full Full stream, full full steam ahead. That's that's hard. That's hard. Uh, hard to stop. So, all, all this just to say, they're playing really good football. They're playing like a playoff team. They're playing like a division winner. They're playing probably not as good as peak last year, but maybe a little bit like that playoff run because the offense is just like leaving a little bit, but the defense is playing really, really well. Top five type stuff. Yeah, no, I agree right now. It's a fun time to to watch this team, and it's going to be relaxing on Sunday to just watch football and not be stressed out about a football game. I did want to mention this because, obviously, both of us being at the game last night and a very scary moment when Tua left the game, and we talked about how, you know, this game could have looked in the second half, but I still felt like this defense did a good job against Tua in the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter that he did play. That's a scary situation for Miami right now. And obviously we don't know all the details. We're not in the medical field. We don't make those decisions, but that just, it seems like for Miami to do what they did against the bills, put them back out there is 
one of the scariest situations that we could possibly see last night on a football field for NFL fans, for people in general, for human beings watching that game. There's the investigation. And um, I mean, hindsight, so maybe this happens, maybe nothing happens, but I really have to feel like, I don't know if it's Miami or if it is that unaffiliated doctor did clear him and just get him back in the game. Um, but we knew, we, we talked about that. That that seemed a lot like a head injury. He shakes his head. Um, they called it a head. They said questionable return with a head injury, and then they changed it to back. And then this this one was really bad, and that looked like traumatic to me. The, the fingers and having the fencing response, everything. I was really glad to hear he's moving all his extremities and he's out of the hospital because really scary situation. It, it was like immediately when he went down, I couldn't see from where I was, but just seeing everybody gather around immediately was like, Oh no, that's, that's not good. And then it's a head thing. It's like, that's even worse. So I don't know if this was, I, I think the investigation is going to tell a lot because either there's maybe it was all just, you know, this is a chance that this was just two separate incidents. And one actually was the back, even though I, I'm a little skeptical of that. Um, but this is, this is the worst thing that could happen. Um, yeah, just glad that he's okay because that was the main worry when he gets carted out of there and they said he's going straight to the hospital. It's like, oh, this is last time I remember that happening uh, that bad. Uh, I think it was in Cincinnati was yeah. the Ryan Shazier thing. And that obviously went, that ended a person's career, changed his life. So glad to see he's okay. It wasn't, a full spine type thing. Cause that was also a worry, but yeah, watching the replay back, which I didn't really want to, but it was on Twitter. Uh, that just, the response just seems so much like a traumatic head injury. Um, but I don't know. I think that's, it's a, uh, it's a blow to the idea that the NFL is like taking all these head injuries very, very serious when a guy has uh, just the optics of having a head injury, <laughs> what looks like a, a concussion can't walk stumbling, type thing even if it is the back or the ankle or whatever it is the optics of that and then the next week it, it gets so much worse is just something you can't have so i i feel like just glad he's okay yeah no 100 whenever you see a stretcher on a field yeah it's it's a very scary situation and happy to hear so far the reports that uh everything is so far negative on his mri so hopefully more good news for Tula. just a scary situation overall and hopefully the nfl takes it serious going forward when it comes to the concussion protocol. It's a big week for the Cincinnati Bengals. Next week, we are back on Sunday. No days off for us on Sunday. We're going to be back to talk a little Baltimore Ravens, recap the day in the NFL. What do you have going on on all Bengals this week? Uh, nothing today because I was at the game. <laughs> <Didn't wait. laughs> You're right. No days off except for Sands when uh, he goes to the Bengals game. Well, I oh my god, this is like complete non sequitur. But the, the traffic last night when we got back to the parking garage and tried to leave, it took us an hour just to move in the line and then to get out of that garage. I was like, oh, I'm not writing tonight, and I'm probably not going to be able to do much in the morning other than this podcast. So I texted uh, James repeat, and I was like, I'm probably not getting an article in. <laughs> 
it's a good problem to have when there's a, a packed stadium and a lot of traffic after a game. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of that. I have a feeling the rest of this season, but plenty online. He has plenty on his Twitter page. He's going to recap. I'm I'm just assuming you're going to do all of this, or I'm going to make you do all of it. You're going to rewatch the whole entire. I will. Game. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Watch the offensive line. You're going to watch Joe Burrow this deep. Everything everything's going to be normal, other than I didn't get a takeaways type article up. I, I'm still going to get a film article. Still going to post a bunch of clips. Just waiting on that to come through. Uh, but yeah, no, no worries. I will still be posting all about this game. Your homework is due by next week before the Baltimore Ravens game. So no, I'm just It'll be weird if I start posting it after. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun week. A little mini by Cincinnati is looking to hopefully gain some more ground in the AFC North when they take on the Baltimore Ravens. We'll have more on that on Sunday in our next podcast on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.